What's it like when one of your friends on death row is led away to be executed? You have a prepaid call from William A. Aguirre. An inmate at the California State Prison, San Quentin. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. I had to be a different complete guy, which is the guy who walked walkways of San Quentin's death row and without a gang, without a, a group of people around me, it was just me. Soon after you went into to be on death row, and you didn't really understand the prison workout system so much. But then he said, we're going to do 75 sets of it. To me, that seems extreme. So I'm wondering if there's a danger of overtraining, wearing yourself out so that you're... No, no, that's actually funny. That's funny. And it's funny. I'll tell you why. That's a good one, man. I'll tell you why. Welcome to Death Row Diaries. I am Matt Ralston. And I'm William Nagara. And of course, if you're hearing this, you are a subscriber. And we really, really appreciate you guys so much. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. Yeah, we do appreciate what you guys subscribing to this and getting some inside takes on certain cases. So thank you. And um, we have an episode for you now. We're going to start off by answering a few questions. Yeah, we're going to continue with the Barry and Honey Sherman, but we do have two of your questions to answer real quick. So, uh, Melissa, I believe she's in the United Kingdom, sent me a message and she says, Bill, how are you adjusting to your new confines? But more importantly, have you had a chance or are you able to uh, be able to write and do your art and stuff? Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks for the question, Melissa. Yeah, it's been a bit of a change. Um, you know, I'm in my cell right now, and it's like give and take when I can do that. I have a celly, and he goes to work. Sometimes he doesn't go to work. So I'm left guessing when I can use the phone from the cell so I can do episodes. Um, you know, I'm writing a little bit. I'm just getting to the point where I'm learning this program because everything is so much different. But um, – I have, I'm working on a new book, obviously, and I'll tell you guys what it is. It's, it's called uh, Prison Rules, The Convict Code, A Prisoner's Guide to Life in Prison. Um, and it's a book about everything prison. It, it talks about the convict code. Uh, it talks about all the rules, what not to do so you don't get killed. It's really the book that is about the prison culture and talks about gangs and everything else. Uh, but... It's been difficult to get into it. I have not yet started painting again. I'm getting to that point again. I have a show coming out in next year in 2024, and I'm already working on the concepts for that art. So that's where I'm at. It's definitely not as easy as it was because I had the cell to myself on death row and much more time in the cell to think and do things. But I'm getting there. It doesn't take me too long to acclimate to my new surroundings, and I'm getting there now. So thanks for the question, and um, I hope I answered it uh, in a manner which is satisfactory. Did they give you back all your supplies? I'm assuming you had a bunch of, um, you know, pencils and paints and all that stuff, brushes and all that. Yeah, you'd be surprised because I didn't actually leave death row. I sold everything. I just figured wherever I went, I would either buy things or they wouldn't have an art program. 
And it turns out that they have basically the same program here they do on death row, which is basically a cell program where I could actually do my work for my cell or from a somewhere near here, like maybe the yard, the small yards they have. So I'm about to repurchase everything. So I've got to wait to, I guess, have a, you know, a dead uncle leave me a fortune so I can buy everything again. Uh, he doesn't happen to live in Nigeria, does he? No, he doesn't. But I mean, if he if he wants to supply my my, my art <laughs> supplies and, and and pay for it, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, well, dude, I'll send you some stuff. Let's talk off the air. Uh, by the way, that's artistwilliamnagara.com. I'm sure all you guys are familiar with that. But if you're not, check that out. And um, yeah, also just the Instagram and Facebook. Anyway, uh, sorry. So second question is from Jeremy in Alaska. No relation. I, he just happens to live in Alaska. Um, and this is an interesting question, Bill. So um, have you seen Donald Trump's mugshot? You know what? I saw it this morning and he looks pissed. <laughs> yeah. He just looks ticked off. So, hey, right on. Yeah, well, that's his question. So according to all sources, he he uh, wanted to look defiant in the mugshot. Obviously, I'm sure it's something that gave him a lot of anxiety and and uh, something that he, he calculated and contrived. But um, anyway, his question is, and, and I guess we could work with this a little bit, but if you had to take a mugshot, would you, would you smile or would you want to look happy? Would you want to look... Um, like Derek Zoolander or whatever the hell he's trying to pull off in that one. I guess if it was me, I would just go neutral because he's getting roasted for this one. And uh, in my opinion, it's deserved. But I'm just curious. You must know a lot of people that have taken mug shots, right? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I normally, I mean, this may sound kind of crazy to you, but I, you know, I want to look as non-threatening as I can. I, mean, I usually smile for my, uh, my mugshot. It's not that I'm making light of my reasons for being in prison or anything like that. I just thought, you know, if I look serious, I'm going to look pretty mean. So I normally just take a, a picture of this moment and, and my mugshots are normally like that. If you've looked online and you look at my pictures, most of my mugshots, I think all of them, I'm smiling. And I don't look like I'm smiling like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. It's just a smile, trying to be like, you know, looking as normal as possible. However, when I left San Quentin to get life, you know, when I got life, they required me to take a mugshot and I took it with the white jumpsuit that I had when I was in the hole. And of course, my hair wasn't cut. Uh, my goatee and my Van Dyke were not trimmed like they were. So I looked like, man, <laughs> you know, no pun intended, but a freaking killer, okay? Like, you know, like you're a bomber. Yeah, I mean, my head was kind of tilted back. I mean, I didn't do it purposely, but I just decided, hey, I'm not going to smile on this one. Boy, was that a freaking mistake. So that's the picture they now have over my freaking door. It's the picture that people get when they come to see me for visiting. They get like a picture, this is the guy you're going to see. And let me just tell you, if there is a poster boy for someone that looks <laughs> like a freaking killer or a bad person, that's the picture. You have to take it, you know, if you get a chance, 
Matt, whenever you come see me or something, you got to see the picture. It'll blow your mind. You'll be like, okay, Bill, uh, go back to smiling because you look like a freaking a thug, a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I we will have to arrange uh, a visit, and so I can't wait to see it. But uh, yeah, I think you might have the same problem as I do, and I don't think I'm quite as intimidating looking to the average person but i think we have the same problem which is called resting dick face where if i just have a neutral expression i, I just i look really pissed off for some reason yeah so uh yeah so you're saying um i i guess my <laughs> yeah i think we're on the same page here like probably neutral not trying to do a shtick or anything is probably your best bet for that type of thing right yeah, I'm just going to go back to the smile, man, because, you know, some people was like, why the hell did you smile on your picture? It's like, hey, look, if you see the alternative, you'd know why I'm smiling, because when I don't smile and I look at a camera, uh, I'm not trying to look mean, but, you know, golly, if there was a, a face made for, you know, if you look at a dictionary for what a thug should look like, you would see that picture and say, well, that's him right there. Yeah. Well, I have the. Does anyone ever. Well, maybe in prison, it's the type of thing that might get you punched in the face, but people routinely say to me, why don't you smile? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think my face is shaped correctly. I, I just. Get the fuck out of. Fuck. Piss off, you know? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, why don't you call back and we'll get into the Barry and Honey Sherman conclusion? Um, all right. So, Bill, you asked me to come up with a theory on this Barry and Honey Sherman thing. And I thought about it for about 15 minutes while texting. I, I was a little distracted, but I do have a theory. And I think that, yeah, the pharmaceutical stuff, you know, there's a lot of dirty billionaires out there. I and I, I don't quite understand why this dude didn't have security. But nonetheless, like, you know, this isn't a CSI episode. Like, just because you're a billionaire, criminal, pharmaceutical, white-collar criminal type guy, there are hundreds of those guys out there, and no one's killing them. So I am landing on the children, and I'll elaborate why. But are we kind of on the same page, or what are you going with? Well, um, yeah, there's there, there's some meat there in that the children may have been involved. There's definitely meat there. But I'm actually going with something different. So let's give a quick overview of what we're dealing with here. Right, so yeah, the, yeah. So the audience caught up again. Yeah, good. So um, we're obviously talking about Barry and Honey Sherman. And let's, let's, let's go to this part first, unless you disagree. Honey has nothing to do with this. She just happens to be there, and she they, they're killing two birds with one stone. Um, and I'll elaborate why she, it's also important that she die as well in this whole scheme, and this is why. Okay, so first of all, we're talking about Barry Sherman, a multi-billionaire. This guy is basically a prodigy. And I've talked about this before. You know, at 16, he was a... U of T in engineering science department, and he was the highest 
kid in the class. He, he, he graduated with the highest of honors. You know, he received the general's, the governor's general's award for his thesis. And then he gets a PhD in, astroph- in astroph- astrophysics at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. This guy is brilliant, okay? So we have to know who this guy was. But obviously, this guy was, man, I mean, I hate to talk bad about the dead, but he was a dick. This guy, I mean, look at this. So he, you know, he starts working for his uncle Winter. That's his name, Louis Lloyd Winter. But he and his wife die like seven days, seventeen days apart. So since Barry was already involved with the company, you know, he he, he realizes that the couple, meaning his uncle and his wife, they leave four very young orphan children, and they are Paul Timothy, Jeffrey Andrew, Harry Joel. Dexter and uh, Dana Charles or Dana Charles and of course they're the owners of this company called Empire but the and this company was a big company it had rights to manufacture Valium Destapen in Canada they had uh, you know licenses with Pfizer um, with big corporations they were they were putting out saccharin which was that substitute for sugar so these were just little people but the winter estate allowed sherman to buy the majority stake in the company and he could run it only on the condition that the four winter children meaning the orphans be allowed to work for the company and when they reached 21 each would get an option to buy five percent stakes in the company this would give them the ability to be very wealthy kids and have. However, there was a small catch that would void that agreement if Sherman bought the company. And that's exactly what he did. He bought the company and basically screwed the orphans. So that right there makes him a pretty deplorable man, okay? So... And I'm telling you this stuff to show you the kind of anger that people could have towards this guy. And um, look, his, his uh, I guess, resume of being a prick goes into so many different avenues. So listen to this. In January of 1972, Sherman buys, um, he sells the Empire Company to a, a company called International Chemical and Nuclear Corporations of California. It's called ICN. And it's for 57,000 shares of this other company called Valiant Pharmaceuticals. All this stuff, he turns it into Apotox, which is his company. And from there, it just goes crazy. Because from the beginning, he's doing all these fraudulent things, Matt. He's involved with this guy named Kevin Trudeau. He's involved in a company of nutritional supplements. He has uh, all these other money uh, hiding schemes to hide money in different corporate shell corporations around the world. He's bought a, a, a fruit manufacturing business. Uh, he buys a brewery. And it's just scheme after scheme after scheme. And people hate this guy. They really want to see him fall. And there are, there, everybody's writing about this guy. There's two legacies to him. The one is associated to his wife, which makes 
them good, kind people because his wife is a philanthropist, but yet there's the other person, and they say that the only person I have ever met with no redeeming features whatsoever is is this guy Barry. So you have all these different opinions about this guy, and now he's involved with these Israeli companies, the Clinton Foundation, and all these heavy hitters, Pfizer, Merck. He's filing lawsuit after lawsuit. People... And he even tells newspapers, I'm surprised no one's tried to kill me yet. I mean, he acknowledges the kind of prick that he is. And look, he's also involved with major lobbying companies for, for other parts of the country, for the United States, for Canada, for parts in Europe. This guy has his hand in cookie jars. His friends are prime ministers. And he's involved with schemes at corporate level as well as governmental level. So now that brings us to the death. And, you know, we've talked about this guy's wife uh, being found in a very posed position. And, you know, they died of ligature strangulation, which means that something was used uh, which were two belts were used tied to a metal railing and it basically strangled them. But most of the initial or the later on autopsies show that they had their wrist tied, that uh, Honey had a hit, uh, a bruise to her cheek. Her cell phone was found in her bathroom that she never used as if maybe she was trying to make a phone call when they apprehended or they grabbed her. Um, there's just too much there. Police thought it was a freaking murder-suicide, which was ridiculous. That was substituted with a double homicide. The kids have paid a lot of money to a $10 million reward for their parents. And of course, Matt, as you mentioned, uh, you believe the kids are involved. And I guess one way to throw people off is put up a $10 million uh, reward to find out who murdered your parents, pay second op. So there's a lot of people here that could have done it. I'm curious to know why you think the kids are involved in this. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So I'm just going to kind of make an assumption that this dude is a sociopath, right? And, but there are instances and, whatever your political leanings um you know like donald trump for example is clearly a sociopath but he seems to actually be a good father in that he cares about the well-being of his children um but i'm not getting unfortunately there's no video of this guy so i can't tell if his demeanor if he's smarmy if he's charming um if he has any real emotions but um I'm kind of going with that his children don't like him and okay, $10 million. Yeah. If you stand to inherit a billion, um, I don't know if you're familiar with exponents, but that's, uh, that's pennies, you know, so. Yeah, no, I totally, I get what you're saying, but so let me just say this, that. First and foremost, the, re the reason that they didn't catch him on his own and they killed both of them is, in my opinion, 
and, and this goes to really the suspects could be kids or an outside source. So they killed her because if you only kill him, she still can say every litigation going on with Barry, my husband, continues. Well, I will fund it as if he were in charge. And not to not to interrupt you, but also just I'm assuming that whoever did this, you know, it's not like you can just murder someone without a plan. So isn't part of it just that she was there too? Like that it's, she happens to hang around the house with him. Well, they were going to go on vacation. They were, they're about to leave. So they caught them together. It's probably, they're watching them. They had anybody who's going to hit a murder is probably watching the situation, analyzing any of these people are professionals. I'm sure the kids didn't do it personally. no, they didn't put their hands on the ground. If anything, they had someone do it. So the person obviously was watching the, the kid. Let's say the kids were involved. They would have said, look, my mom and dad are going to be together at this place today, at this time, if you can get them there. So that's that easily done that way. But in my opinion, the reason they're both dead is because, like I said, the mother could have continued on with the litigations. And then if the kids are involved, of course, if the mother's alive, she inherits everything, and she's still the controlling force of everything. Right. So that would be a problem there, and the kids would have to off her too. Right. So totally. Now, there is something that I don't know if you know about, and this is very interesting. Um, so Sherman had just won also a ruling, me and the father, Barry, against um, the Winters. The Winters had sued him because they said that Apotox was built on their father's company. And since he screwed them on them, they wanted a piece of Apotox. And the court said, ah, screw you. They also ruled against him that they owed $300,000 in legal fees. That was going to be a problem, too, for them. However, what we don't know, and it's being kept very hush is that Barry Sherman, he has a son named Jonathan. And Barry asked his son to repay him tens of millions of dollars back that Jonathan borrowed for his storage business. Now, that goes to Matt's theory that the kids could have had something to do with this. And look, I, I get that, but in my opinion, um, I don't think so. And Beanie, the reason being is because these kids are, kids are wealthy. Father's a billionaire, they're also wealthy. They didn't have to pay that money back. He could have told his dad, I'm not going to pay it back. I don't have it or whatever reason. I don't think it's dealt with by killing, especially kids that are rich. It's possible, but I don't think so. What do you think, Frank? I mean, uh, I was going to say Frank. Uh, what do you think, uh, Matt? Who's Frank? <laughs> well, for, uh, Frank D'Angelo, I was just... And they said the person who would have the biggest motive for killing Sherman would be Frank D'Angelo because they have a long history between the two of them and one of them has a very checkered legal history which is Frank D'Angelo um, but yeah I mean that's just one of the guys I was thinking about was Frank D'Angelo he is it was kind of a prime suspect in all of this let me call you back we still don't really know who these people are so on the one hand I'm looking at it like well even if your father is a sociopathic white collar criminal, maybe you have good holidays together. You know, maybe, maybe he's a good father just on a personal level. On the other hand, there's this gene 
there's this rotten ass gene that a lot of these people have. And so without knowing the children, I don't know the whole dynamic. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think you're right. Listen, it, just because their father's an a-hole to everybody else, aggressive businessman, uh, a bit of a, a shady character. Look, look, Donald, there's, there's a, you made a very good example, Donald Trump. We could argue that you know, 49% of the country loves this guy and 51% hate him. And if you ask the people they hate him, they'd say, absolutely, this is the kind of guy that, you know, he's a horrible person, he's terrible. But if you ask the other 49% of the people, they think he's a great guy. And I'm sure that Donald Trump's children think that they probably acknowledge that their father is a bit of a br- abrasive or whatever, or very abrasive, and that people don't like him. But they probably love their father. And I'm sure that these kids love Barry and Honey. So, I, I, look, I'm for me... It's not the kids, okay? It's not. And to cut to the chase, um, I also don't think it's the winter children that, you know, he, he bought the company and basically screwed them on it. That would piss people off. I don't know. And look, people kill for $10. But I, I, I'm looking at something a little bit different. And something caught my eye at the very beginning when I started researching this case. And, and it's this. So, Okay, so Barry Sherman owed about a billion dollars to other companies leading up to his death, which he said blatantly, I'm not fucking paying these people, fuck you. That was his response. And I'm quoting from one of the articles. Basically, I'm not paying it back, fuck you. Do major corporations like Merck and Pfizer hire people to kill someone? Probably not. It's possible. You could probably cricket CEO that has stocks in the company. Uh, I don't think so. Um, what I believe is that this case, although would seem unlikely, is centered around the mother, meaning Honey Sherman. And no, if you're going to say, "What the hell is Bill talking about?" Well, hear me out. Barry was an asshole since the 1960s, and no one's tried to take him out. His companies had grown. He's a big guy. No one's tried to take him out. Attempts, nothing. This happens suddenly. The one thing that sticks out that Honey was doing in the last year to six months, she was becoming very vocal about being Jewish. She was also being very vocal about her support of Israeli uh, Israel, as well as Israeli people, which is their right, and it's great. But she was being very pushy about it, so much so that she was looking at ways to put money behind how to stop money from getting to Muslim foundations or Muslim, um, what's the word I'm looking for, fundamentalists, or people that were very obsessed with Muslim way of life, way of belief. Now, this strikes me as people that would strike it. Not that Muslims are bad people, please don't think I'm saying this, but fundamentalists and extremists in whatever genre we're talking about tend to react in extreme manners. Let me explain. And I believe that in moderation, anything's good. A beer is great for you. A glass of wine's great. But if you drink a bottle a day, it's going to freaking kill you. Same thing with religion. If you, you know, you're a, 
devout, Catholic, Christian, whatever you are, and you, it's a moderation in your life, you live by laws, great. But when you become a fundamentalist or an extremist and you push the thing too far, you tend to respond to people who are trying to put you down or take away from what you believe is your right. You respond violently. And we see this all the time between the Palestinians and the, Jew, the, the, the Israeli people in the Gaza, all that good stuff. She was very vocal about this and she was pushing an agenda. I can see how this would cause people to respond violently. What do you think, Matt? Well, I think we're going to lose about 10 subscribers, but Israel in its current state is an apartheid government. And um, that's nothing against the Israeli people. It's it's just that um, what the government is engaged in is disgusting, in my opinion. But um, I hadn't thought of it that way. So it, I, I'm glad that you said, um, you know, with the Clinton Foundation, which is a, 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 a way to commit tax fraud, basically. I've looked into it pretty thoroughly. Um and with all these things, but I think that you and I are on the same page that since like January 6th and with QAnon and all this stuff that we have to be very careful about conspiracies. Not that I'm sure corporations have knocked off a few people here and there. Like I'm sure in the, in the history of America, it's happened a few times or, or Canada in this case or whatever in the world. But to act like it's common, you know, that, that corporations are just routinely assassinating people is that's when you get into a little bit of loony bin territory, right? That's not necessarily how these places operate. They don't, they don't typically. They don't. Yeah, you're right. And as I said, moder anything in moderation is good. Anything in obsession is bad. And that means even good stuff. Money in obsession is bad. In moderation, it's good. So all these people, billionaires, are usually involved in some kind of schemes. They usually don't get killed for it. But when you start bringing in these, you know, these crazy extremists, it becomes an issue. And look, I'm willing to bet money that both Barry and Honey were probably good people. They, he had some pretty ex extreme uh, practices when it came to business. Some people would say that's just good business. He was smart. He was aggressive. It made him a billionaire. How can you fault him? I don't fault him, but I believe that this comes from not his practices, but hers. And I'm not saying she, this was, she was wrong or anything like that, or that she was right for that matter. But I do know how people respond. I live in, a, in, a, in an environment where people are extremists, extremists about religion, extremists about crime, extremists about anything. And they usually respond violently. We see it all the time when we go to these, well, I don't go to these freaking rallies because in the history of mankind, I don't believe there's been a rally where you have an opposing side arguing face to face, trying to kill each other. And suddenly one of them says, oh, shit, you're right. You know what? I just realized I'm completely wrong. You're right. I'm going to join your side. So to go to a rally to confront other people rallying against something that's the opposite belief is a mistake. But we see how these people respond. They're very heated. They're very uh, aggressive. <laughs> Uh, honey said some things uh, about particular Muslim groups or fundamentalists or whatever she was and she was pulling that, pushing that Israeli or you know, 
love for Israel, which they have the right. Look, I'm not an anti-Semite or anything like that. I believe that every person is right. See, unlike most people, I believe that the Constitution is for everybody. And that means that everyone has a right. Everybody's equal. You know, it isn't because you're white or you're black. No, everybody's equal. I don't, I don't believe in giving someone a little extra because they're down to luck. I, I just believe in equality. So the Israeli people have a right the Muslim people have a right to their own beliefs and everything, but there are people that don't believe that out there. I think she may have overstepped her bounds by saying that it's her right to say what she wanted to say. However, when you put that in the media and you have extremists to hear it, there was probably someone out there that didn't like it or a group, and they responded by this criminal act, which was to murder both Barry and his wife, Honey, and that's what I believe happened here. Well, I wouldn't expect anything less of you, and your theory does make sense because, again, I don't think Merck, they, they don't want that on their hands. And by the way, a billion dollars to them or whatever is is not that much money, but the, the types of people that actually follow through with this kind of stuff are these ragtag weirdo religious people on either side. And so that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, and of course, you you have to understand that they posed them. Um, there seems to be a personal element here. So if a guy from Merck or Pfizer was hired a big hitman, the kids hired a big hitman, he wouldn't be sitting there posing. He'd put stuff in the back of the head and he'd walk out. No one was ever going to believe that this was a murder-suicide or a, a double suicide. You, you immediately recognize this is a murder. So the murderer, now me coming in as a person who understands the criminal mind, the murderer didn't care if other people knew because this was a personal thing. He didn't go there and start writing freaking things in, you know, Arabic or whatever in the wall because immediately they would say, oh, my, this guy is, whoever did this was behind this. They didn't want anybody to know. They, they wanted Barry and Honey to know. And that's why they zip tied their hands together and then they pulled their jackets over their arms in the position they're in. It was a message that the, the, the jackets pulled over or their clothes over their shoulders so they couldn't move was to bind them. And I mean that literally as well as figuratively. They binded them to let them know that they're helpless. That's important because there are people of power, now they're powerless, number one. Number two, they choked them in that the strangulation is very personal. If it was a hitman, he could just shot them. They didn't leave any anti-Semi or anything. They didn't want them to focus on that. Yeah, I was about to it say, wouldn't, for the killer. wouldn't that type of person write like death to Israel and pig's blood on the wall or something? Yeah, no. This person, since it came out of Kitty's mind, I believe that's why she was struck. And I bet that they wanted her to watch Barry die. So I'm sure that she tried closing her eyes and then he slapped her and made her open her eyes. They wanted her to see because they wanted her to know it was because of her that this is being done. And they zip tied on, they probably talked to them for a while and told them because it was very important for the person to feel that they knew why they're being killed. So this is my theory on why it happened. I'm doing a little bit of profiling here, which I normally don't do, 
but the elements of this crime seem to suggest that to me, and that's my theory. That's who I believe killed him. Look, I, I would love to hear if one of our listeners wants to come in and say, look, Bill's absolutely freaking nuts. Um, this is what I believe, and we'd love it. It's a great conversation piece. I'm sure, Matt, you'd like to hear what people would say since you think the kids did it. I think it was an extremist, um, probably a, a person who's not too happy with people of Israel or Jewish people, and um, what she said caused it. No, I mean, your theory is very logical. If if I could just say, and I've had this uh, belief for a while, and outside of... Uh, um, you know, if someone's schizophrenic and they and they kill someone and they don't remember, you know, I, I, I think that happens in a lot of cases. But eliminating that, I've always thought if you kill your parents, they deserve it. They must have done something really fucked up that you would think that was even a good idea. So, um, again, without knowing these people personally, I think we do know that he's a bad person. Um but, you know, like the Menendez guy, I, like, I really think, okay, like, yeah, you can't just kill someone and, and do like, you know, a week, you, you, you got to do a few just to get the point across. Like, it's not okay just to fucking kill people. But like, in those guys case, the parents were abusing him. I'm like, let them out, man. Like, you really think they're going to walk around killing uh, civilians? Like they, they killed their parents for good cause, in my opinion. Well, I mean, you and I probably disagree here a little bit, but let me call you back and give you my take on that, and then we'll wrap things up. Sure. <laughs> All right, Matt, I'm back. Yeah, sorry, that was a lot to unpack, but um, yeah, I, I don't especially like when people make very broad, controversial statements and like, okay, <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know, but what were you going to say about it? Well, let me just say that um, in no circumstances is it okay to kill somebody. And I'll just say that in a way. Your life's in danger. Definitely, act. if a person is being abused, raped, whatever, and please don't pull out your freaking phone and film it. Step in. If you're a man, step up. Be a man. Stop it. Do the right thing. Do the American thing, the red-blooded American thing. Now, in terms of... As you mentioned, if your parents are abusive, you could go ahead and kill them. Uh, I'm going to back away from that statement because what I'm going to say is this, is that although you may think that someone deserves uh, to be beat or killed or whatever, in today's climate, legal climate, um, if you tell professionals, law enforcement, look, I'm being touched or I'm being abused, I'm, this is happening to me, they're going to listen to you. They're going to take you out of that situation and you're going to be okay. You're going to survive it. If you take things into your own hands and you deal with it. Now, of course, if someone pulls a gun on you and trying to kill you, you've got to defend yourself. But if you take things in your own hands, what's going to happen to you really is what happens to a lot of people. They end up in prison. And I'm a prime example of that. I'm in prison. So my suggestion is that if you have a problem, something is happening, you feel that you're being abused or you are being abused and you feel vulnerable, you feel that you're powerless, take that power back 
by going to seek professional help. And professional help, I mean go to law enforcement. They're going to listen to you. They'll have special people that can listen, and they will take action. If you make an accusation against a parent or an adult that has harmed you, abused you physically, emotionally, or sexually, they will immediately take you out of that situation, protect you, and investigate. I believe that is the best way of going about doing something, not taking things in your own hands, and then obviously uh, take a life or harm someone, and then you end up in prison. That's my little platform, my little soap dish for the day. I think it's good advice. I speak from experience. Seek professional help. Yeah, I, I was just being a little bit flippant, flippant but um, but yes, that is uh, very good advice. So, I guess in closing, you know, this is kind of on the media radar. I, I don't know. It, it's not like you see it on the news all the time or anything, but we were both aware of it. Um, so we have the guy with the goofy walk. I don't know if that's kind of a red herring. I feel like maybe, but do you think that uh, they're going to end up solving this or is it just going to fade away? Unless a person steps up and says, I didn't take credit for it. They're not going to find that they appear in it. They're looking in the wrong place. They're looking at Pfizer, you know, Mark. They're looking at the family. They're looking in the completely wrong places. I would go to places dealing with people that are anti-Semites and just start investigating there. Who has spoken about it? Has there been whispers about someone else? Has someone spoken about this? I think if they begin to investigate there, that there lies the answers. And usually people that respond with that kind of fanatical response to something is usually going to talk about it. He can't help himself. Uh, now, if he is a loner and he just acted because he felt insulted and he killed and he didn't tell anybody, that's a whole different story. But normally, people will say something. There'll be someone that says, I heard this, or he talked about it prior. They're just looking in the wrong place. You know, given the time, the resources, you know, those $10 million would give me the type of, of uh, motivation to solve this. And if I went to enough anti-Semite rallies and people like that and and, and people that just dislike Israel, um, Israel, I'm sure that answers will start coming, but I'm not out there. You know, hey, it's $10 million. If some of the fans are out there that want to, um, the subscribers want to uh, delve deeper into this, hey, I would be happy to give you all the clues you want to start looking for the person who did this. And I'm sure that you'll make some rewrite. Leave there's anything else, it'll be exciting and fun to go on this type of treasure hunt, right? Well, I think you've kind of converted me. And now that I'm listening to this, to you speak about it, um, and as we kind of said earlier, I'm a little hesitant to, to go with the whole, you know, grand international conspiracy. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like the type of person you're talking about would be a Canadian national, not like someone that, you know, flew in from the Middle East or something. 
Well, I mean, a person you know can be a particular religion or it could be, in fact, uh, a person, because they're talking, what she was talking about was, you know, uh, pushing the Israeli line and as well as, as talking down to how to stop money from going to Muslim fundamentalists. So that's a big motivation. If she's looking into trying to stop and putting her weight and her money behind trying to stop all these transactions, that would piss a lot of people off. So yeah, I mean, hey. So I mean, someone game, right? Which encapsulates an awful lot of people. So I'm not trying to like, you know, um, say this is the whole the whole Muslim Canadian community, but we're talking. I think millions of people are, are at least approaching that you know it's a big community in toronto and in those places so but i i'm just saying that it's someone with connections to canada and and somewhere foreign i'm assuming well yeah but look you know you know speaking from the perspective of a, of a, of a diabolical evil genius what a perfect way to hide right an actual hitman for one of the major, you know, pharmaceutical companies, knowing that she said those things, picks up on what I have already picked up on, of what she said and what she was pushing, the agenda she was pushing. And said, huh, this would make them really not look at Pfizer and Mark and the professional hitman, but rather look at it, what Bill's looking at. Well, but my perspective is, what a perfect way to hide in plain sight, huh? Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're done with this. I think we'll we'll break it up next week and cover something else. But I'm gonna go down a real Reddit, YouTube rabbit hole on this one, and uh, I think we'll have to update this. But but we'll leave it there for now. So um, yeah, go ahead and send Bill your uh, theories if you have any, um, which is pretty easy to do. So there's an app on your phone called Getting Out which we've mentioned before, but um, then you just look up the, um, look up his name and uh, you know, you can get in contact that way. And of course you can contact us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, weird. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, but it don't, don't take that as a way of not to, you know, follow us on Facebook as well as Instagram and because right, you're writing me directly, definitely do that. Um, don't forget that my newsletter is out there. You can go to artistwomenagera.com. You can, in fact, sign up for it and and contact Matt. Look, if you guys, you know, I, I'm, I'm all weird. I'm mad about this stuff. He's probably going to edit this out because he's going to think, freaking Bill, he just used that platform to really stick it to me, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you guys are looking at the Instagram page, the Facebook page, and, and you feel like, hey, I want more content. DM Matt and tell, hey, what the hell is going on? And we need more content. I like that, Matt. Oh, wow. All right. I won't edit that out. And I, I, I do appreciate the encouragement. Uh, yeah, well, we'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, of course, I've been Matt. <laughs> and I'm willing to care. Besides, be aware of your... Uh, I really messed that up. Be aware of your surroundings. <laughs> Your life could depend on it. We'll see you next time. <laughs> wow. You want to do that again? Or All you... right. Sure. I'm keeping yeah, that definitely. in, by the way, just because you... I'm keeping the other thing in. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Three, two, one. And I'm William Nagara. 
Be safe, be aware of your surroundings. Your life could depend on it. We'll see you next time.